0: Hey, thanks for checking out the Good Advice Podcast. And this is Round Three. It's our series where we bring back some of our favorite guests. And on today's episode, we're sitting down with Zach Messler, who wants to help you be perfectly understood when it comes to what you sell so that your customers know how amazing you are and how amazing your product is. I'm going to go ahead and tell you something weird happened with the audio on this episode where I just sound really intense. So... Power through it and listen up because the next hour is full of so many amazing insights for your business so that you can sell more and be more impactful. Stay tuned. We talk about all things sales and messaging related and more. Here comes your good advice. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. And this is round three. It is my, without sounding like a tool, <laughs> it's our exclusive series. You know, sometimes I have so many people on the podcast, and unfortunately, they're just, there has to be favorites. There has to be people who, in the slew of people who come on, who just are a cut above the rest. And those are the guests who come back on and they share their insight, they share their expertise. And this is our round two, round three, round four series where these people come back on and we just we just got to get more of them. Uh, my friend, Zach Messler, is one of those people. And when I think about how to best describe Zach, I think about the tagline, be perfectly understood. And every time Zach posts something on LinkedIn, every time I have a conversation with Zach, I just find myself more and more walking away with just a new insight on how do you communicate what you do and what you sell in a way that not, not just makes sense, but it compels someone else to say, okay, yeah, I want that. I want to buy that. I get that. I understand that. Because we as, as we all know, it's a different story when we compare what we think we sell and what we think we do to what our customers actually hear from us. So Zach, it is so great to have you back on the show today.
1: Blake, it is so great to be here. You're making me blush like every time I come on the show. Now you just I, we started off. You start making me blush. This is so fun,
0: well, Zach. I I just think back to our very first conversation. This is our third one now, and I just I really, you know, obviously I love the podcast for allowing um, great people to come on and share great insights with my listeners, but. For just like selfish reasons, I just love having you on because I always walk away feeling like, okay, yeah, that's that's a great insight. I haven't thought of that before. Um, and so I just I'm always looking forward to another conversation with you.
1: Well, that's fantastic. Hopefully, I'll deliver again today. We'll see.
0: <laughs> well, uh, what's what's new with you, man? What's going on? I mean, we're we're into 2022. Uh, are you still sticking with your new year's resolutions? Do you do uh, those?
1: I, I no, I you know, <laughs> I did I did New Year's resolutions. Well that I can remember. I've done New Year's resolutions once and I stuck with it for a long time it was it was back in I want to say 2014 and 2014 I was well for me I was seriously overweight. I'm about six foot four. my my prime weight is probably about 230. I was six foot, you know, I'm six foot four. I was probably about 265, 270. I just didn't feel good. I didn't look good. I (laughs) was kind of embarrassed uh, that, you know, I'm teaching my kids these poor habits. Sure. And so that year I made a resolution that, you know what, in, in 2014, yeah, it was 2014. So it was December of 2013, 2014 said, I'm going to get myself healthy. And so I researched gyms and I did all that. And I've been that, that guy. I've been that guy that joins the gym and in January. And then by February, I'm gone. I'm like, not there. <laughs> but I, I found this gym that I liked. Uh, it was high-intensity interval training. It was all based on data. I am super hyper-competitive in any type of, of sport. And I treated it like a sport. Your heart rate was up on the board. You Mm -hmm. go and you're on the treadmill or on the rower and your heart rate's there and you see the calories you're burning. And I'm competing with everybody. And I just said, I'm I'm going to do this one thing and I'm not going to stop. I'm just going to commit to going twice a week. And that's it. I'm not changing anything else. And I did it. And that year, I lost 35 pounds. I lost four or five inches on my waist, and I stuck with that in, until COVID hit. And once COVID hit, then I quit. Um, <laughs> you know, I wasn't going to the gym, and now I'm I'm not quite back where I was. But we're we're actually talking about buying a rower. I'm going to buy a buy a rower and do stuff here.
0: Yeah, yeah. I love stories like that though because I meet people who they share like these big moments in their lives where it's like, yeah, I made a decision. I I sort of drew a line in the sand and it's always it's a bit interesting to me because I just know this is Zach Bessler in front of me who's, you know, high energy and committed and charismatic and obviously still that same person in 2014 but it's just it's it's always exciting to learn these new um, big moments in someone's life so
1: well, to it's, see you. it's so that was then thanks and that was a personal thing but you can apply that to your business too it's it's focused action that's all that that is sure right so for me the intention was the thing that really drove it home was I I thought about it from the perspective of my kids so You know, they have this big schlub dad, and and (laughs) you know, they see me eating poorly, and they see me not exercising, not taking care of myself. Uh Is that something that I want them to pick up and learn? And it wasn't. I didn't want them to do that. I wanted them to to exercise. I wanted them to be healthy. Right. And I wanted to be healthy too. I mean, you know, getting older and whatever, but. Uh, it was really that focus on them and that continual focus on them that kept me going back. Mm-hmm. And then it became a habit that it's like, Oh, I can't miss it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, that's exciting. And, uh, credits to you. Cause like I said, for me, I'm just kind of like, all right, dad bod, let's go. And just <laughs> fully. <laughs> well, I'm
1: right there with you now. I'm right there with you now. I mean, I, I, uh, we're, we're looking at these rowers that have, uh, that gamifies stuff. So I'll have my races and that sort of thing. Yeah.
0: I, you know, I'm always impressed with the people though, who, you know, I feel like this is a bit of an, an entrepreneurial thing where like, you know, you have like the entrepreneur who talks about, you know, yeah, I'm up at 4.00 AM I'm at the gym for two hours. I do this, you know, by noon I've pretty much done everything. (laughs) And like, part of me is like, okay, that's a really impressive person. But then the other part of me is like, okay, but really like, really? Is that, yeah, come on. That's
1: insane. I do know one guy, he'd actually be great for your podcast. I do know one guy who does that and really does that. And I know for sure that he does that Mm -hmm. and has for who knows how long, years and years and years. He's up at insane hours. He schedules anything. That's one area where I could certainly improve with scheduling everything, just getting set stuff, but he schedules everything. He's at the gym at whatever, four o'clock, 4.30, certainly before five, um, and he has his routine, and he goes to bed early, and he gets up early, and that works for him. I mean, I I do believe, like I think most or many, that what works for one person may not work for me. Yeah, And it's finding what works for you, especially as an entrepreneur. It's finding what works for you, and then just sticking with that
0: yeah yeah that personal rhythm yeah i think that's a great insight i mean because you know social media it's it's so easy for like especially a younger business person like younger in their business to you know see what other people are saying you have to be doing i should be doing that and to kind of lose like your own personal flair or identity or you know what what actually does work for me um it could be tough to find that i think
1: yeah i think so too i think so, so too there's a lot of bad advice out there too. But that's another that's a that's episode four.
0: <laughs> it's tough because sometimes I I try not to I I don't want to sound like a cynic. You know, I, I want people who listen to the podcast to be hopeful for their business and excited and energized. But I I feel like I find and I, I don't self really censor anything, but I do find myself like this in the back of my mind, not sounding overtly negative. Um, because of that topic you just mentioned of just there being so much bad advice and um, oversimplifying, you know, real challenges I think we all face. And, and maybe that is a better conversation for our next, our next conversation. But um, I am always struggling for that balance of here's like the real tangible practical, but also still being hopeful, encouraging, exciting. Um, I don't know.
1: Sure. Well, sure. Well, you don't want to come across as As negative, because that's a vibe. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, I early in my career, earlier, not early, but earlier in my career. So, I, I, uh, to those who haven't listened to our past episodes, I spent twenty years in product marketing for enterprise tech. So, so B two B software for big companies across different industries, different types of software. But twenty years there, and uh, I, I started, I don't know. Maybe probably ten years in, I started really digging in on loss aversion in messaging. So avoiding a pain versus achieving a gain. And I used to get pushback all the time internally from people within the company, other marketers, sometimes bosses, sometimes even uh, you know CEO or founder of the company. Oh, we don't want to be negative. That's too negative. But loss aversion isn't negativity it's just playing on human psychology. It's avoiding that pain versus achieving that gain. We mm-hmm. would all, and there've been studies on this, but people would rather not lose $50 than find $50. Yeah,
0: I, I get that completely. I mean, I think a lot of the today's marketing is around You know that big obstacle we think we have to go through, and then you see the ad that says, "Hey, you don't have to worry about this. You don't even have to do this." Um, And this is maybe a bit of a stretch, but I even see—I saw an ad the other day that was like, you know, how you can be successful with your business that without having to build a website or without having to, you know, do X, Y, and Z. Some of these basic things that maybe a lot of us would do. so, a bit similar, but I think I think that's exciting for people who are like, "Oh, I don't have to exert that effort. i don't I don't have to worry about you know those kinds of things
1: for sure. Well, and that stuff really only works when you know your audience. You can't just throw loss aversion out there and and throw something out there that that uh, you know avoid this or do this with a you know, build a business without building a website. Well, if you haven't done the research and you don't really know that the people you're trying to attract, Actually, have qualms about building a website. Yeah, then well, it's going to fall flat.
0: <laughs> you're you're selling to WordPress web developers. <laughs> We're that, like, what's what, what? right? Like, that's what is right.
1: this? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> the weirdest right. ad ever.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this yeah, <is> terrible. <laughs> I love getting those ads on my feed that I'm like, did you like? How did you codify this? Because I am definitely not. <laughs> Your person. That's really funny. That's really funny. <laughs> well, speaking of ads, we just, uh, so we're recording this. It's the middle of February. Um, Super Bowl just happened. Uh, some of my favorite conversations with you, or just even some of your content, is you talking about what makes a compelling ad, what's a powerful ad. Um, in fact, our first conversation, and you guys need to go back and look at our very, very first, I don't have the episode number in front of me, but um, Zach, you had so many brilliant insights on. Um. Just what makes an ad compelling? And so I'm. I'm just curious. Like watching through the Super Bowl, do you do you find yourself, I guess, working a little bit? Like, do you? Is it hard or to totally. turn it off? And-
1: <laughs> oh, I, to- I totally. I totally. But but I mean, we do this in my house all the time. Like, we don't fast forward commercials. Least, yeah. You know. I mean, I, I shouldn't <laughs> say we don't. We do sometimes. But but usually we don't fast forward commercials. And my kids. Uh, I mean, they. <laughs> my kids now just completely on their own will just say oh, that's a terrible ad." <laughs> it's so funny, it's so funny. I love the nostalgia of all of the ads. Now I look, I'm a I'm an 80s 90s guy, right? I mean boom shakalaka, let's yeah, go. Yeah. But I I mean it was so the 80s the, the it was it was as if those ad agencies just all in unison decided we're going after gen X (laughs) let's go. Yeah. You know, and they played off the, you know, the, the, of course the, the halftime show, which uh, that was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, Big,
0: which this would offend you. But my wife was like, okay, so who's that rapper? Who's that person? And there, he, she was like, what does DRE mean? And I was like, oh man, just don't ever say this outside of this room. That's really so. funny.
1: That's really funny. Well, uh, it was, look, it's a demographic. It's a, it's a, they were nineties, man. They were, it was, early. oh, it's awesome. Yeah, it was so fun. But I love the nostalgia. And then that Chevy ad came on with the Sopranos, and the music starts. Mm-hmm. And we were huge Sopranos fans, my wife and I. Uh, even when it first started, we used to go to friends. This is before kids, and we'd go to a particular friend's uh, place. They lived near us for Soprano watch parties. Yeah, it was like it was in the days way before Netflix or any of that. It was just on HBO and it was on, I don't remember. I want to say Sundays at nine or something like that. So we'd go there and um, my friend Vince and uh, Vince is, uh, is first generation American, Italian American, you know, his growing (laughs) up, growing up in South Philly, he had, they had the kitchen and then they had, The second kitchen yeah, (laughs) and his mom, like just us. So we'd, we'd have, Vince would always cook something for us. That's cool. Um, And, you know, we're living outside uh, Baltimore and little Italy in Baltimore has some amazing bakeries. And so we'd always get, um, we'd always bring over uh, cannoli shells and the stuff, you know, the, the cheese, the stuffing, and he'd fill, uh, he'd fill the cannolis. We'd have this feast And we'd watch sopranos. So that music comes on, and it's just hearing that music is an experience. Like it's oh yeah, I remember that time. Yeah. My wife, like, she wasn't paying much attention. um, and she just perked up. Oh, what is this? Oh my god, that's Meadow. Oh my god. (laughs) What is this for (laughs) us? It's gotta be a car ad. It's gotta be a car ad. Either that, (laughs) and she's like, wait, is it easy pass? Like, no, no way. So that, 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 was really fun, but yeah, I love the nostalgia of it.
0: Mm-hmm. On the same token though, it felt like there were a lot of ads that were crypto ads yeah. And for sure. it, to the point where it, like anytime an ad came on that we were like, and for the listeners, I have nothing against crypto. Okay. <laughs> Relax. But anytime like a weird ad came on, we were like, okay, what's this? The, we were at a watch party with some friends, a neighbor of mine, and be like, it's got to, it's gonna be crypto. It's got to be crypto. <laughs> Any like vague, ambiguous, like, okay, what's going on here? It's gonna be crypto. And sure enough, like that, he, it was almost a game we were playing. I was like, is it a crypto That's ad right. or? That's and so, really
1: funny. well, Coinbase, that Coinbase ad was amazing. Talk about, we've talked about simplicity before.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: that Coinbase ad was amazing.
0: You're talking about the the box that was the bouncing. That just, yeah. like mm-hmm.
1: and and I mean to show that was even a little bit nostalgic. Uh, you know, I've seen on social media people talking about uh, Pong or video games like like Pong. Mm. But for us, my wife goes, "Wait a second, this is kind of like the Office set one episode where, yeah. they're like, oh, uh-huh. it's going to get there in the corner. It got mm. there, yay!" But you know, my 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 son, he saw that. He's like, "What is this?" Boom! Runs to the TV. He's like,
0: "Got the QR code <laughs> off it, yeah."
1: And I read. I read that they got 20 million new signups. Wow. And now 10% of those, it was stats off somebody. It, it was on a Twitter account. I don't remember, but it was legit. But they said 10% of those uh, put in their, their bank info, which is what you need, of course, to be able to invest. Mm-hmm. So you'd think 20 million. 10% of 20 million that's 2 million new customers. Yeah. If that ad cost them what? Uh I don't know. 7 million, 10 million, but they got 2 million new customers. And let's mm-hmm. say even just 10% of those 2 million so so 200,000 end up investing. That's 200,000 new customers. Mm-hmm. That is when you think of Super Bowl ads, you don't usually think of Super Bowl ads as anything other than brand awareness. Mm. And they legit created 200,000 real customers. Yeah, wow. From that ad. And it's simple and it's intriguing. What the hell is this thing? <laughs> I got to find out.
0: Oh, well, and it was cross generational, which I thought was interesting because you mentioned like the Pong and like the original like gaming stuff. Uh, it reminded me of like the 90s Windows screensaver,
1: which, oh, totally. is w- which is
0: what went on to be that scene in the office, which people who had seen it in the office maybe didn't know the context of it being an old screensaver. Um, you know? And so you have like the QR code on there too. So it, it just felt like it was an ad that was so simple and yet it went across so many different generations of people.
1: And you think about it too, the people who are going to go over there and and take a picture of that QR code get the link are the people who are into technology people who aren't into technology there is zero chance that they're ever going to invest in crypto right because they're going to say i don't get this mm-hmm. I, i'm not this is not safe i'm not doing this and so i've i've read i read some stuff on linkedin just people dissing the ad like, oh, it was terrible. Like, I didn't do it. They How many people? It was too far away. I'm not like, that's great. You weren't the audience. Yeah. You weren't the audience. For their audience, it was a brilliant ad. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And what's this
0: like in the, not even so much in the ad world, but like for people who are listening, who not even just running ads, but I'm thinking about like their messaging, how they talk about themselves. Is Is it hard to, I guess... Have the emotional resilience for frankly the haters, like the people who are like, that's so stupid, that doesn't make sense. Because at the same time, you have all these people talking about Coinbase, and then we have the stats that you just mentioned to you know, 20 million people who hit the website, you know. And so, I know for me personally, I'm like, it's kind of like, um, I'm trying to give an example, but there was something that happened in the last couple of years. I was talking to my neighbor about, and I was like, wow, I just, I just realized that I'm not the customer. Cause like, I've criticized this product, and then I saw some stat about this business like breaking records, and I was like, I thought they were a bad business, and now I realize I'm just totally ignorant, too. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know, I you just know
1: I it, it it's kind of like social media trolls, right? If you have haters, it means you're doing something right, it really does, yeah. it means you're doing something right, mm-hmm. and um, I mean, for social media. Haters are a good thing because they actually amplify your content. But, you know, if you have haters, you're doing something right. Yeah. You're not going to be all things to all people.
0: You know, and I think that's a great insight too because I think a lot of younger business owners and again I'm talking about like new to new to running their business, it's hard like when you look at the pie to not want every piece. Or and and, and you know really a lot of like conversations in the entrepreneurial world are very aspirational I think sometimes to a detriment, where it's like you know, and and man, I'm trying again. I'm trying not to sound cynical here, but like, imagine what could happen with your business. Imagine what you could accomplish. All great things to consider, but then what happens is the aspiring entrepreneur looks at that whole piece of pie, the whole pie, and says, "Yeah, I want the whole thing," rather than recognizing the power of you know niche and specializing and who is my audience. You know, it's like the guy who I talked to a couple of years ago. I love telling the story, but I was like, so who, who's your customer? He's like, oh, well, uh, men and women who use the internet. I was oh like, my gosh. okay, that's 6 billion people. So
1: it just makes it harder. And yeah. it's kind it's counterintuitive, but it makes it harder when you're going after more people because it's, it's tougher to speak to them. Mm-hmm. You have to speak in generalities then, and you're not going to attract everybody because everybody's different. Right. And so yep. it's it's finding those communities or those groups, those segments of people, of potential customers that fit a certain profile, and then it's easier to talk to them. Mm-hmm. I have this problem with my business. I still do. I mean, I've been going at this myself. Um, it's almost five years. And I, I, you know, when I started out, it's like, well, what do I do? And I still say this because it's true. But what I do is foundational. It works with anything. And it does. And there is my issue because I didn't want to choose, mm-hmm. right? So I started out focused on entrepreneurs, way too broad, mm-hmm. way too broad. And then I, I said, you know what? This isn't really working. I'm not attracting the people I want. I'm going to go back to what I know, which is tech. And so I started focus, focusing on early stage tech founders and their teams, that still pretty broad, but it brought it way tighter. Yeah, and at that point, then once I started talking that way and speaking the language of that audience, well, I filled up my advisory service and started building out other other stuff because wow, I filled this one. Time for another revenue stream.
0: It, it does feel like the journey of like developing your business is very. Iterative and evolutionary, um, not evolutionary in the sense of like groundbreaking, but that it evolves in a constant way. I was talking to a a young woman this morning who they just started a business doing uh, um, uh, picnics for people, basically. And I envision like, you know, you pay someone to like put out a blanket, like a wicker basket. And then she started showing me pictures on her social media. And it was like, like luxury. Like imagine like in front of like um this amazing waterfall with like candles and like wine. And I was like, whoa, this is way more than I thought this was. I thought this was just a random thing. But all that to say, she was talking about like the evolution of her business and like we were doing kids' birthday parties, and now we're doing more of like a date night thing, and now we're doing like proposals. And you know, in this conversation, I was like, Yeah, I think this is really normal. Is that like in our minds? Even like as an expert, we're always kind of going through this process of figuring out like the identity of our business, I guess. And I think that that's okay, right? I mean it it takes time to do it.
1: Well, for sure. And then you have the the issue of the the cobbler's kids, right? <laughs> the, the cobbler's kids, the shoemaker's kids, who don't have shoes that are, are really nice and, and put together it's hard to do what you do for your business too yeah um, and and um, yeah it's difficult it's difficult it's definitely a challenge but I, I for another client for or for a client uh, that's focused on small businesses small really the SMB market although I'm trying to get them to change how they say that because that's not how small businesses talk about themselves I'm an SMB.
0: Yeah. No, no,
1: no. But that's, um, is that, I,
0: I mean, I don't even, is that small to medium businesses? Is that like yeah, the category? Small to
1: medium sized businesses. Yeah. yeah it's an okay. official category. It's yeah, an okay. official, so quote unquote category, <laughs> but I was looking up some statistics because I, I needed it for just some messaging stuff we're putting together. And it was a fi- about, it's roughly 50%. I want to say it's like 48.7 or something like that. And this is from Um, I don't remember where it was from. It was, oh, here it is. It's from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. So this is the United States. Mm -hmm. So new businesses that exit within five years, 48.9%. So 48.9%, so roughly 50% of businesses do not survive five years. Five years is not a long time. It is. Yeah. but it's not not for a life of a business, yeah, so you know you definitely have to evolve, but what happens
0: yeah, I mean I think and I think it's so many conversations I have with people where like what their business is like on year three, year four, even year five is totally different from what the business was year one, I mean, I think about even oh
1: yeah. Oh
0: yeah. I think of good advice, even. I mean, what I do now, I almost kind of cringe as to like that first year. I was like, what was I doing? What was I selling? Who was I selling to? Somehow I was making money. <laughs> I mean, I had made enough to make yeah. it the to year too, but it's 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 um, it makes me think of that old quote. It was something like if you're not embarrassed by like the first product, like you release too late or something like that. But I think we kind of all go through that with like our business continuing to change and develop, hopefully for the better.
1: For sure. For sure. Oh, like when I started, I started out doing content creation because I knew how to do it. And I mean, you know, I, I'm i good at it. I, I'm fast at it. I'm good at it. And what happened was I had within probably the first six months, I had too many clients. And the second half of that first year, I was going out of my mind. Mm. I, I hated it. I was was ready to quit and jump back into the, into corporate world. It's like all of a sudden I have 20 bosses instead of one and I have all this work and it's, it sounds like, Oh, great. You know, well, you know, bad problem. Uh, You know, you're, you have too much work, (laughs) but I, I was just working too much and I was writing, I was starting to hate writing because I wasn't doing it for me. So I just quit. I stopped doing it and I still do content creation But it's a case by case basis, and I Mm -hmm. charge an absolute ton of money for it because why not? Yeah, and I I shifted, and I I took clients that I had, and I passed them off to people that I knew that had, you know, I knew these clients would be in good hands. And I started an advisory service, and the advisory service now I love it. It's awesome. It's helping. It's helping founders. It's helping founder-led companies, founders' teams, uh, be better with what they say and how they say it, so they attract buyers.
0: I think this is so powerful because, and it's it's tough because I think some people who are listening totally get this concept because it's almost like an out-of-body experience. Like when you you say something about your product and you're able to like step outside of the moment and see like how the other person's reacting. And objectively, be like that person walked away with no insight, either, either didn't understand or no, not a drop of like emotional buy-in. Uh, it was like instantly, like I, I don't care, you know. Because I think some people get that, and so as you're talking about like saying it better, I think some of our listeners are like, yes, like I've that's been such a pain point. And then I think there's people who haven't quite hit that moment yet, for better or worse, where. In their mind, it is perfectly clear. You know, it's like you mentioned the example of like, yeah, I work with SMBs, you know, and we don't talk about ourselves that way. Or I think about um, I used an expression really early on in my business. I can't think of what it was, but the person I was selling to immediately said, "Hey, we just don't talk about our employees that way. Like we don't use that terminology." And and it was like her cluing me in on, "Hey, you're kind of an outsider for." You know, if we're going to hire you, this doesn't really—you're not even using the right language. And I think a lot of us, especially as founders, technical founders, in their mind, it's perfect sense. But then when they talk about it, they don't realize that customers aren't resonating; they're not getting it. Um, that's one of the reasons why I love what you're doing. It's why I love your content.
1: Oh, thanks. Well, it's it's not just technical founders either. It's it's any founder. Mm-hmm. The thing to remember is our opinions as founders. Our opinions as business owners, while interesting, is our opinions are completely irrelevant. Yeah. They don't matter. What I think about my messaging doesn't matter. Mm. I might think it's the bee's knees. This is amazing stuff. I love how this sounds. This happens in in big businesses too. Messaging by committee. I just did a post on this the other day because I saw something, uh, you know, a, a post where. Uh, an exec was kind of patting himself on the back or patting his team on the back for such great messaging. And I looked at it as like, this is terrible. <laughs> but but our, our opinions, though interesting, are completely irrelevant. The opinions that matter are the opinions of our target audience, mm. period, period. And so there's a lot of testing that goes with it right? So even to my business, right? So my, my headline on my website is be perfectly understood. And then the subhead is what you sell is amazing. Help your audience see that too. And I came up with that. I thought this sounds pretty good. And I popped it up on my website. And then the very next thing I did was I sent emails out to contacts. I sent notes, uh, posted stuff on LinkedIn. I posted stuff on Twitter. I wanted to find people who were in my target audience to go to my site and look at it and give me feedback. I wanted to hear from them. I thought it sounded good, but when I started getting, and, and people did give me feedback, but then when I, I started getting uh, feedback from people that was completely unsolicited, well, that's when I knew, okay, this is this has staying power. Yeah, this is good. I'm not changing this.
0: Yeah, and it it almost seems like two things happen in this process. One, I think a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs are afraid of that feedback. They're afraid to ask, especially when it's unsolicited. You know, they're afraid to digest it and you know take that hard, sometimes harsh uh, feedback. And the other thing I've noticed is I've had people pitch things to me where I was their target customer and I've said, ah, I'm just not getting it. And then they've sort of shirked back and said, well, you know, you're not my buyer anyway.
1: <laughs> I, was oh like, my gosh. I was like,
0: you, you oh my gosh! you were selling to me. What do you mean I'm not your buyer? I mean, you just described me exactly. You know, you said, <laughs> you said my house or, or, address. Or
1: even, or even you know? wait a second. So you just wasted my time. Yeah. <laughs> If I don't, yeah, no. If if someone doesn't respond well to your message, but they fit the profile of the person that you're going after, they are not the problem. (laughs) (laughs) Part of it, I think, is is really, especially for for newer entrepreneurs, is and this is really hard to do. I'm still not good, not great at this. It is removing the emotion detaching from the result mm. or not the result the outcome yeah detaching from the outcome that's that's really important to do because we are seeking knowledge we're not seeking approval doesn't mean we've done something wrong it's we're we're seeking knowledge so we can make a better decision
0: It's powerful, and I think what happens is there's so much writing on the business, and not just externally. I mean, I'm really grateful. My wife is a massive proponent of good advice, but I've heard stories from entrepreneurs where their spouse is a bit verbally um, insecure is not the right word just just unsettled by the journey. Hey, where's this going? What's happening here? And I've even heard more overt examples where, like, a family member or a friend's like, "What are you doing? Like, this is." And it almost feels like sometimes we are trying to seek that emotional validation in our customers rather than what you just said, hey, put that on the shelf and find the knowledge that you're looking for about your product or service.
1: Sure. Well, what I did early on is, so my, my wife is extremely risk averse. I am not. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I am the, I'm the polar opposite. I'm not at all, but she's extremely risk averse. And I knew this going in. And so what I did is I treated my wife like a, like a target audience. So, And what am I selling? I am selling, not my offering, of course, but my, my product here that I am selling to my wife is an idea. I'm selling the idea of, hey, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to jump from the corporate life. Uh, I'm not going to get a paycheck from anybody anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to start my own business. What do you think? <laughs> so knowing her, what I did was I put together a business plan. Yeah. And I anticipated the questions. Now I know my audience i have been married to my audience for a long time. <laughs> Um, And so I put together, I thought of the questions that she would ask me and I had answers for them. She is very data oriented. She's a psychologist. It's her job. She's into data, very much into data. And, um, and so I made, I put this, this business plan together and I presented it to her and I had a lot of data in there. I had, I had information about uh, audience. Now, it started out, of course, with the content creation, but audience, who I was focused on, how much money their budgets typically were. Um, I had, it was, and it was mapping out here the first quarter, I expect this, and just mapping it out so that it would feel safe, or not necessarily safe, but safer. Mm-hmm. And she knew the angst that I had. My last year or so in the corporate world was absolutely brutal. That could be episode four too, um, and and so it was positioning the status quo, mm-hmm. staying in corporate as the unsafe option, and also at the time, I mean, I had already tried to get another job. I had tried to leave that company, and what I was running into is, you know, I'm I'm at the time, I was 45 when I left the corporate world. Marketing in tech, tech marketing is a young person's game. I had the good fortune of having a mentor who I reported to for a decade. He was amazing. His name's Rob Pepper. He's he's the best leader I have ever experienced, you know, ever had the, the chance to learn from and work with. He's just incredible. And I learned a ton from him. And I'm grateful for all of that time. The downside is. Rob was always the CMO. Rob was always the VP of marketing. Mm-hmm. I was always the right-hand person. And so that opportunity to have a seat at the executive table passed me by. Yeah. Because when you're 40-something in tech marketing and the, the highest title you've ever had is a director, yeah, you're not getting a shot. It's not <laughs> happening. Sure. And so i i was going out looking for for jobs because I was miserable and i i got uh, and maybe it was me just not bringing up salary early enough which is probably it but I had companies that wanted to hire me they they were so into me and we were 40 50 60 thousand dollars apart mm. you can't fix that yeah. like I, I i they don't they're not willing to to pay that it's like can't pay that. Yeah. So it was it was not safe to stay. So it was this is while it, it sounds like this isn't a messaging thing, it is a messaging thing. It is. It's positioning and messaging. I'm positioning staying in the corporate world to my wife mm-hmm. as this is not safe. I have to stay at this company, or I have to take a dramatically lower salary. Or I can bet on me. Here's all the data. Here are all the numbers. Here's what I think is going to happen. And that first year, maybe first two years, excuse me, we'd meet regularly and I'd update her. Here's where we are, because I mm-hmm. wanted her to feel good. And over time, those just went away. Mm-hmm. And now she doesn't even worry about it. She's like the she does not worry at all. There's <laughs> no, there is no yeah. worry. Yeah. I just um I just signed uh the single largest contract uh, in the history of my business. And it was, yeah, it's great. It's great. I mean, great
0: moment, man. Congrats. Oh,
1: oh, it's got to feel good. Really good. Really good. I mean, it's like, we're talking like 50% in one shot for not a long period of time. It's 50% of, of it's more than 50%. It's more than 50% of what my Gross salary was my last year in corporate. Yeah, <laughs> and and it was awesome. It was wow. awesome. Yeah. So she doesn't she doesn't worry about it anymore.
0: But so it, you know, there's two things I think about. One, you knew your customer. You knew your customer, and you tailored the conversation around that. Um, and, and a lot of us, a lot of the people who are listening right now, are afraid of getting in front of the customer. And I, it's kind of a weird way to put it because the fearfulness. I don't think it's, it's actually that accurate that a lot of them are afraid to get in front of a customer. I think that we're just not as willing to hear what customers think to then shape our messaging. And then the second thing that I really like about that story, you just mentioned you know one of the biggest sales you've ever had. It's year five of your business. Uh, a friend of mine, she just celebrated year five of her business. And just this last year, her biggest sale ever, um, five figures, just amazing. Uh, I just, I have a verbal commitment, hasn't signed yet, but my biggest sale ever as well this past month, um, there's something that I keep hearing on the podcast from guests like you, and I've been calling it the 10-year game. It's just it's just the, the journey of entrepreneurship in like the slow momentum that builds up to these big payoff moments. How have you stayed patient? these last five years? I mean, it's, it's got to feel great, man. You're five, this big deal, but, but it's also five years, you know? So like, how do you stay patient, stayed at it? This is an
1: easy question. I love what I do. I love what I do. It's so fun. It's so fun. I can be in the worst mood right? So you see me high energy, real positive. I I mean, I I have always run on emotion, always the ups, the downs. As I've matured, I've certainly gotten more in control of my emotion. But when we first met, my wife had a song for me. And this is, um, you'll see, you're listening to this, you'll hear my gray hair. But there was a Billy Joel song called, I Don't Know Why I Go to Extremes. (laughs) <laughs> and and the the lyric is um i don't I, I don't know why i go to extremes maybe uh always too high or too low i don't remember but it's like he's he's singing about being i'm too high or i'm too low i'm just always all over the place and and so you know i can be in the lowest of low moods and I get on a sounding board session, sounding boards, my, my advisory service, I get on a sounding board session and I get, I get off of that session. We, we finish up the the session Mm -hmm. and it does not matter what we have talked about. It doesn't matter who the client is. I am on cloud nine. It is so fun. It's so fun. So that's really it. I Mm -hmm. love what I do. It's super fun. And I have. I I found my calling. What can I say? I
0: think it's great advice because I, I see a lot of people ask this question of, hey, I have some disposable income. I want to, I want to do a side hustle. What what should I do? And I I just find myself coming back to, you know, there has to be some element of passion in it. There has to be some element of enjoyment. Otherwise, it's not going to carry you through those low moments.
1: No, that's absolutely right. You have to love it. Hmm. You have to love it. Otherwise, yeah. it's a chore.
0: Yeah. It's another and, job.
1: <laughs> and yeah, that's exactly right. It's a chore. Yeah. Um, do we have time? I want to talk about one more thing. Because Yeah, you're we got time. Up. Go All for right, it. Great. Awesome. You talked about when I wish we could hit rewind and, and go back and <laughs> listen to it. <laughs> Let's play that back. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, you were talking about uh, new entrepreneurs and how they want to talk about their product or their offering, their service. Yeah. And I want to bring it back to that top-level message, right? the thing that goes on your website. We were talking about be perfectly understood, right? Mm -hmm. I think a huge mistake, a common mistake that especially early-stage entrepreneurs, early-stage founders make is – they believe the mistake is not believing. They believe <laughs> in their product, in their offering. So I use product interchangeably, as usual, yeah, Blake. But totally, to people listening, product to me, it's a product, it's a service, right? It's an Just offering. What you're selling it can yep. be an idea, even. It's a product. It goes back to product marketing, I guess. So you you believe that your product is amazing, and you know it is in your gut. When you're a new entrepreneur, especially you know this is amazing. Oh, people are going to line up. This is so great. So what do you do? You talk about it. And you pop it front on on center on your website. Your you build uh, content or build build stuff that's all about your product and how incredible it is. And nothing happens. Yeah. <laughs> and nothing happens because you are not your audience. Nobody gives a crap about your product. Yeah. Until they do. Right. And so that is the biggest mistake that early stage founders, early stage entrepreneurs make in my opinion is they take their own perspective and apply it to their message. Instead, what they can do, and I would argue should do is flip the message. That top-level message is not about you. It's not about your product. Mm-hmm. It's about your audience. It's about what your audience wants to achieve. Now, in parentheses for you, it's with your product. <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. But it's it's it goes back to what I call the first rule of product messaging. You first rule of product messaging, you don't talk about your product. You do... Yeah. You talk about your product, yeah, yeah. but you don't talk about your product. Yeah. So
0: it's the means, right? It's the means that's, of that, that's of right. getting them so that, whatever. Sorry, go that, ahead.
1: That's a no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So take going back to my website, be perfectly understood. What you do is amazing. Help your audience see that too. I could on the very top of my website, and if I was an early entrepreneur, like 98% of them, this is probably what I'd do. Messaging and positioning mentor for founders and their teams. It's true.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: what I do. I help you attract buyers. It's right. true. It's what I do. But what's the problem with it? This is counterintuitive. It's about me. Right. No one gives a crap about me Yeah. until or unless they do. So anyone looking for that messaging and positioning mentor, somebody specifically looking to attract buyers might stumble upon me and that may speak to them. Mm -hmm. But to people who I know have the problem of, I try all these different things and I can't get people to raise their hand. I can't get leads. I can't get demand. I can't, this isn't going to work. They're not necessarily looking to attract buyers, they don't know to look for that. They may mm-hmm. not know that a there's a such thing as a messaging and positioning advisor or mentor. They, they may not understand that that even exists. Mm-hmm. But if I say to that audience, what you sell is amazing, help your audience see that too. Oh my gosh, I got to yeah. read more about this. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Flip the message. It's not about you; it's about them. <laughs> and I, it feels like we get that,
0: and yet the temptation when you pitch your product is, you know, oh, I'm Blake. I've I've been in this business for ten years. I, you know, it's almost like that's what's going to make it compelling. And it's I, I, I. You know, actually, I was on a. Call, I can't remember. I've told you a story before, but I was on a call with a guy who was trying to sell me some kind of ad service. And he said, "We've been in business twenty years. We've served this many people." And at the end of the conversation, it was about fifteen minutes. I said, "Yeah, I think I'm good." And he said, "Well, well, well, why? I I I'm surprised to hear that." And I said, "You know, I'm just I'm just not interested." And he's like, "Would well, you do you just not think that I can do what I can say I can do?" And I said, "Well, uh, I mean, to be honest, yeah." And he said, "Well, I told you we've been in business twenty years. Like that was the actual conversation." I just thought to myself, "I don't care." <laughs> I don't care how long you've been in business. I, it just you didn't compel me. I didn't believe that you were going to solve my issue. I heard a lot about you in your history, but I don't know. We, I think it's a brilliant insight you just shared.
1: Well, this goes back to our first conversation too, which I believe—I could be wrong—I believe was episode seventy-seven. That sounds
0: right. Because I just I shared a soundbite. I looked, them up. Um, I looked them up earlier. I don't know. I think. Or
1: is 177 was the second one. That's episode
0: what 68.
1: Oh, 68. See, I was wrong. It was 177 was the second one.
0: Yeah. So go back guys and check out episode 68 with Zach. This, this would have been, oh my gosh, this had to have been like two years ago, at least. Oh, no, at least. At yeah. Least. Um, guys, I'm not kidding. We just, we did episode 250 just this last month. My first episode with Zach, hands down, one of my all-time favorites. You have to go back and check out this episode. Brilliant insights, um, and Zach, amazing insights as well today. I get so excited talking to you, man. And I, I, I really, I don't mean this, um, you know, to to <laughs> stroke your ego. I for my listeners, I think if you can really get this concept of your audience first and separating your. Excitement around how amazing you are with actually engaging with your audience, uh, and more importantly, just following Zach on LinkedIn. I think it will totally tr- uh, transform your business. Seriously, I don't say that lightly. Um, and Zach, I just mentioned your LinkedIn. W- w- what are the best ways for people to follow up with you and connect with you?
1: Yeah, sure. So LinkedIn is is perfect. I'm there a lot, all the time, interacting, writing, creating, uh, my website, zachmessler.com. And then I mentioned this last time on the last episode that we did together. Um, and the this, this landing page is still there. I have a site. It's just a landing page. It's to get a guide. It's clarityrules.com. And what's there is the get clear. It's a guide to getting your message clear. It's the get clear mini workbook. I think I called it.
0: I always loved but, your branding, by the but way, it's, Zach, oh, thanks, man. I love thanks, the man. colors and I love
1: the lightning bolt. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's, it's super intentional. It's super intentional. <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. Though. Um, so it's, it's the get clear mini workbook is, is to help you get crystal clear with a message. That's the, really the first step mm-hmm. to getting a message that attracts real buyers.
0: Mm-hmm. No, it's great. I'll make I'll make sure I put that in the episode description below. Uh, Zach, always amazing having you on. I'm excited for the next time, and I just appreciate you making the time to join us today. Share some of your best advice. So, thank you.
1: Well, thanks for having me, Blake. I will come back anytime. I'd chat chatting with you too.
0: <laughs> of course. Hey, for our listeners, I cannot tell you enough. You got to check out clarityrules.com. Go to zachmessler.com and be sure to check out Zach on LinkedIn. He's posting actively. Uh, he's not posting random fluff. He's posting real, practical, tangible advice. Again, when I see his posts, I'm like, yes, that makes so much sense. Uh, I'll put the link to his LinkedIn also in the episode description below. And hey, if you like the podcast, if you enjoy the podcast what the heck are you waiting on? Click the subscribe button, click the follow button, so we can keep bringing you good advice wherever you are. And don't forget, you can actually support the podcast on our Patreon. That's at patreon.com slash good advice. If you want to promote the podcast and continue helping us bring amazing guests like Zach on, you can do that for as little as the price of a cup of coffee. Again, that's on our Patreon at patreon.com slash good advice. Hey, it's an amazing episode. I'm excited to hear what you do with it. Thanks for listening. and that's today's. Good advice. We'll see ya.